People always want to know what it's like to be me. How does it feel to see a dead body? Tell a family their loved one has been murdered. Talk to a rape victim. Catch a killer. And get them to confess. Hold on tight, my friends. Get ready for the journey. And welcome to Murder with Menina. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Murder with Menina. Colleen, I can't even begin to explain to you how excited I am about the guest we have on today. I I am too, because you've talked about dispatchers and what an imperative role they play in investigations and especially on calls. And, you know, it's something I think a lot of people like me, it's one of those things you don't really think about until you described the essential nature of, you know, that talent. And I, I, and then I thought, oh, of course, yeah. that makes all the sense in the world. So uh, Shay is on today. And let me just tell you, uh, she was my, and she's going to describe a little bit about the difference between a 911 operator and a control operator. But I think that she was, when I was working, more of a control operator. Um, but she's the best. She's the best in the business. I'm telling you, she's the best in the business. And she has saved my ass so many times because when you get on the radio and you're going to these runs and things kind of get hairy, she could tell in our voices and in my voice, you know, if something's up and she'll, you know, hit my number and say, are you okay? And she can kind of tell in my voice, if I don't answer, she's like, uh, let's send some cars. Or even if I do answer in my voice, she, she can just kind of tell. So I'm just going to let her start. Introduce yourself, young lady, to us and tell the world how great you are. Well, my name is Shannon Smith. And I started this profession 20 years ago. Um, I came into it because I ended up with a pretty bad back injury in the military. And it carried on through my other jobs to the point where I finally had to have surgery. And they fused my discs. And the neurologist told me at that point I was going to have to find something where I would not be standing all the time or doing hard labor, which is what I'm used to doing. Uh, so I put in for unemployment. This guy looked at all my qualifications. He said, hey, you need to you need to go for 911. And so that's how I ended up there. And you said you were doing yeah. hard labor. What were you doing before 911? Um, I would do security. I worked a lot in nursing homes as a CNA. I love taking care of people, especially in their elder state, because sometimes that's all they have is whoever's working with them because the families tend to forget. How lovely. I can see how that would carry over to being a good 911 operator. So explain to us, you, you became a 911 operator and, and talk about the train. Just talk about just what it looks like for someone that doesn't know it all. Well, the training... At that time, uh, took about five, four or five months altogether. That's the classroom training and then on the floor, which they call OJT training. And that's when you get the real nitty gritty of what you're getting yourself into because you really don't understand what a 911 operator does until you actually do it. Um, so it it uh, I had one of the best trainers, first of all, which she's no longer there. She's moved on to other things, but she trained me as a 911. And 
uh, one of the calls that hit me, which I didn't think anything was going to bother me because I'm kind of hard tax is, you know, people tell me I don't have emotions, <laughs> but uh, a woman had called in and was talking about the fact that she thought her son had been molested. And I mean, she went into great physical detail of what she was seeing. And of course, I held it together throughout the call. But as soon as we hung up, I had to leave the room because it just it just took I just started crying. I couldn't. It was just very emotional. So. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. OK, so when people call 911, um, you're gathering the just explain what that's like. So they're calling 911 for, I don't know, a domestic situation. Well, the training that we received back in the day, uh, you get the information as quickly as possible in order to get it dispatched. So you have to control the call. And that upsets some people because they feel like you're not listening to what they're saying. But what they don't understand is all I need to know is who's involved, where you're at. Are there any weapons? Is anybody intoxicated or, you know, inhibited in any way? And that's it. I'm getting people out there to you. I'm going to send the officers. You know, what led up to the situation uh, does not, that's nothing I need to know. I just need to know what your status is and what's going on right then and there. Right, right. Well, it's interesting. So, you know, I, I, I teach criminal justice now, and I was talking about dispatch and control operators, and we were kind of listening to some dispatch calls. And, you know, a couple of them were saying, man, it just sounds like the dispatcher doesn't care. And I'm like, oh, no, no, they care. But that person that's calling 911 sometimes is hysterical, and they've got to stay calm. They're the lifeline for the people who call in, but they're also your lifeline. They're absolutely our lifeline, the officer's lifeline. When we're in trouble, we have to get information to them so that they can send help to us. Explain that a little bit, how you kind of develop. It's crazy. You develop relationships with your 911 and control operators, and you never see them. Yeah. It's uh, so as control, doing control, you do develop a certain relationship with the officers. Uh, you know their tone of voice. You know when they're happy. You know when they're sad. You know when they're sick. You know when something's wrong. And that just comes from working with them uh, all the time. Sometimes you get bounced around to different channels, but you still learn how to hone in on each officer's tone, essentially, and how they sound no matter what they're feeling. I don't know how to explain that any better than that, but yeah, that's how you can tell when something's going on with them. So you don't just, you know, check on them when you think something's going wrong with them on the radio, but there's times, you know, when they just don't sound like themselves, you'll send a message, say, hey, you know, are you okay? Are you going through something? Do you need to vent? You know, because mental health in their job, especially out there, is of the utmost importance. And they've got to know, no matter what, that somebody is there to listen. Right. So explain a little bit. So what is the difference 
um, between a 911 operator and a control operator. As 911, you deal with one situation at a time. You deal with one call and you obtain the information, get it typed up, and you dispatch on that one call. Now, it may be a call that you have to stay on because it's an in progress, like a burglary in progress or a robbery in progress, somebody being raped at that time, all these different things, someone that is suicidal and has called in, you may stay on the phone with them until officers arrive. A control operator is dealing with multiple situations at one time and multiple officers. You are at any given time keeping track of six to seven different incidents with however many officers on those incidents and you're making phone calls for the officers, you're doing whatever they need done, you're entering information at the same time. It is a continuous thing. You are constantly multitasking on the control side. So this is how this would work for an officer. So if she were to dispatch me to um, a run, let's just say, let's just say a person shot. The 911 operator is telling us if a person shot, um, they're giving us all the details on the way to the scene, giving uh, vehicle descriptions, suspect descriptions, status of the victim. They're dispatching many, many officers. They're probably starting crime lab. They're doing all of that stuff. Okay. And then when the scene kind of almost calms down, it's not more in progress as the detective or even the street officer will get on the air. And, you know, one of my unit numbers was, I don't remember something like, David 232, I would say David 232 to control. Control would come back and say, you know, go ahead. And I'd say, hey, I need a 1028 on this vehicle, which means I need her to run the vehicle license plate number. And she gives the information back to me. And then I say, hey, me, I need for you to run a 1029, which means I'm running a person at the scene to see if they have any warrants. So we and, and it could be me. And then on a homicide scene where there's a shitload of people, it could be three or four other detectives saying, hey, control, I need this done, I need this done, I need this done. Yes, there are days There are days that all you hear is control, control. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to run traffic, like, all the time. And sometimes I remember Connie, she was another one that would be like, dude, chill out. Dude, chill out. Because I was a young rookie, and I wasn't smart enough to realize that like it was busy and there were a lot of runs and I'm just trying to run and gun and do shit. Um, but it's crazy. How, how do you multitask that? Like, how do you even keep that shit straight? You just learn as you go to file things in your brain and what you can't file. If you think you might forget something, do a little bit of shorthand somewhere so that you'll still have that list. But you literally Keep a list in your brain. Okay, this is what, and you have to do it in order. You know, there's some things that jump that specific list in order. You know, if if I'm in the middle of doing six things and an officer keys up and says, control, I got one running, guess who's going to be first on my list now? So, yeah, it's it's all about prioritizing. You have to be able to prioritize and keep that list straight and just try to knock it out as quickly as possible. 
Right. So what's the run? Uh, what's the call, either the 911 call or the control that you enjoy? What type of run do you enjoy the most? I actually enjoy doing it all. I like doing control. And even while I sit control, I still take 911 calls because I like that connection with people and being able to uh, get them help as quickly as possible. And like I said, I was trained old school. So I am on a call probably for less than a minute and have obtained everything that I need for that person to get help immediately and to keep the officers safe that are responding. Holy crap. <laughs> and that, that is the key to everything. And that's why I said in the beginning, when we're obtaining the information, some people tend to get upset with us or feel like, well, you don't even care what I'm talking about. It's not that we need to obtain the information that is pertinent as quickly as possible in order to get you help as quickly as possible. If we sit there and let you tell from A to B, this is why this happened, that holds no bearing and does not help anyone. We need to know where you're at, what's going on, and other things that's gonna keep the you safe and the officer safe that's responding. Right, right. So you talk to us a little bit about vehicle pursuits, which as officers we love, but... <laughs> What do you what do you think of those? <laughs> I don't I don't mind vehicle pursuits, but of course they always scare me because yes. the person they're pursuing obviously does not care what's going on. They don't care if they hurt somebody else. They don't care. They just think it's fun and a game and they want to get away. That's how it appears. Uh I worry for whoever they may impact, I worry for the officers that are pursuing because you don't know what people have in their vehicle. You don't know if they're armed. You don't know any of that when it jumps off. So yeah, it's pursuits are, I don't mind calling them. I've become pretty good at them, but it's, it's always scary at our end. Yeah. Well, and so as an officer, when somebody gets into a vehicle pursuit, it's a very exciting time for us, especially if you haven't been on very long. We forget how unbelievably dangerous they are for the person we're chasing, the people that come in the path of the person we're chasing, and then for us. So what happens if I say, hey, I'm in a vehicle pursuit, everybody on the radio jumps on and says, I'm in route, I'm in route, right? And they're all screaming and how it works with Indianapolis is if I get myself into a vehicle pursuit, um, I am giving direction of travel, which can be a little uh, discerning. I know I've said the wrong direction because you get excited and your adrenaline goes crazy. But I'm, I, I am telling my direction of travel. And then, you know, control is asking me what what are they what are they wanted for? The supervisors are listening to make sure that they're wanted for something that is really um safe and, or, you know, not do, are we chasing because they have a taillight out and they didn't stop? Or are we chasing them because they've got a warrant? So they're trying to figure out. And then everybody and their brother wants to get in on the vehicle pursuit. So if I'm chasing them and we're going northbound, I'm really waiting for the second officer to get behind me because he will actually call it. And what that means is I am no longer saying I'm northbound 
on Illinois. I'm eastbound on 10th Street. It now becomes the second officer because I need to concentrate. And so if the second officer gets on and goes, we're going northbound, then control will go. Will say they're going northbound so that everybody kind of knows. And then we're also trying to get canine. It yeah. just becomes a clusterfuck. I can't imagine. Does everybody, do you kind of perk up when that happens? Because we do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we definitely yeah, yeah. fuck it's, up. <laughs> and and it's uh yeah, if if the officer is speaking clearly enough, then I personally do not yeah. repeat what they say. But if it's kind of garbled, then I will repeat what they say. And you know, you have to maintain a very calm voice when you call a chase because that's the one thing, if the control operator gets hyped on the radio, everybody gets hyped. That is so true. And when you have an officer that is already hyped, you have to bring them down a little bit and, and get them to come down a few notches and so that they will stay safe and be able to call it in a right. calm manner as well. And then, well. of course, we're waiting for canine to come too, right? And so they'll key up on the radio and then you're hearing, because they're all excited. So you yeah. have that radio traffic on <laughs> along with all of the officers. And, and nine times out of 10, it turns from a vehicle pursuit to a foot chase. And that's a whole other. Explain what yeah. you've got to do as a as a control operator when we get into a foot chase as far as the perimeters. I don't know how you keep this shit together. You try <laughs> to. Yeah, as soon as, as, soon as they are like, uh, it looks like they're going to bail then you start bringing up your maps so that you can track where they're at and bring that area that they end up bailing at, which means they get out of the vehicle and start running uh, so that you can set a tight perimeter. And a lot of times the officers may not know where they're at as far as trying to set a, a tight perimeter. So the control operator will do that via the map and tell the officers you need to go here, 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 and here in order to make a perimeter that that person cannot get out of. So it's crazy because they'll start yelling, you need to go to 10th and Shaylin. You need to go to 16th and Shaylin. You need to go one block east of Shaylin. And they're they're directing all of these officers to go because hopefully by this time, K-9 was in the vehicle pursuit. We are now setting perimeters up all around the streets so that if this guy thinks he's going to run, he's going to see a police car. Oh, my God, I got to run north. And he sees another police car. So we contain him in this perimeter. And then we let the dog out. Hopefully canine officers there. And you let the dog out because we've got him contained, um, hopefully. And it's such a yeah. – you guys do such an amazing job of just – they literally just flip it out. You need to go here. You need to go here. Then you've got officers going, I'll go, I'll go. And they're like, clear, we got you there. And they keep track of where all of the officers are. I mean, it's the craziest thing what you guys do, and and you guys are just absolute lifesavers, lifesavers. So, what's one of the uh, now? Do you believe in and as officers, we believe in the whole uh, full moon thing, right? Yeah, I kind of do. What I see during the full moon at this job is it affects the mentally ill quite a bit. Yeah, that yeah. ticks up quite a bit when it's a full moon. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it really does. And the suicides also tick up. Wow. So I I don't know. It's it, I, that's the only effect that I've seen 
personally, when it's a full moon, it's not that more crime is committed, but the mentally ill and and emotionally disturbed tend to tick up during right. that time. And you guys have to know, too, because the, when they're dispatching this runs, they'll say possibly 1096, which means we're possibly dealing with somebody who may be mentally ill. And right. how do you how do you dictate to, to tell us that you think I mean, what do you what are the cues to know? to tell us that they're possibly mental. Sometimes dispatch will pick up on it and put it in the run. Sometimes I will have done a callback and spoken to that person myself. And you can pretty quickly assess if somebody's not quite in their right state of mind. Right. So you can assess between if they're just scared to death or they're not in their right. Correct. Okay. Uh, Usually someone that's on drugs talks in a certain way. They don't, they, they talk in circles. They don't make sense. And they're very hyper. Uh, someone who's mentally ill, however, they also too can be hyper, but the words that they're saying, uh, a lot of paranoia goes in with that. And, and it just, I, I don't know how to explain it. You can just tell when somebody, the difference between somebody being mentally ill and somebody being on something. It's it's a totally different verbiage. Right. How long did it take you in um, doing this to start to know that difference? Not very long because I've always been a studier of people. Um, from my childhood on up, my mom used to think I was just a little weird because even when we go to the mall, I, I wasn't interested in shopping. I was interested in watching people and how they acted and what they did and things of that nature. So, yeah. And so throughout my life, I've always just been able to assess people very quickly. Uh I don't know how to explain that. It's just a gift. Yeah. That's how I've always You're so good at, at what you do. So, of course, we also have to talk about when an officer is shot. What, what's it? What happens up there in, in control and dispatch when you hear that? Those those horrible, horrible words of officer down. Uh, I'm going to try not to get emotional on this. Um, you you literally feel like your heart drops and is ripped out of your body at that moment because most of the time we don't know up there in control we don't know the total damage we don't know how injured they are we just know that they're injured um it's 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 a horrible horrible feeling and i mean when that is the one time that you will not hear a word out of anyone in control and in dispatch. It is completely quiet for the rest of the day or night, whatever time it happens. Nobody wants to talk. It, it just, it's devastating. So you were working the night at Bree? I was actually at home when that happened. And little M called me and told me, and of course, I lost it because I had got to meet her 
I had worked with her on East District. Uh, she insisted on meeting me because she just thought I was the most hilarious thing on the radio. Which you are. And <laughs> I just try to keep it light for everybody because um, there's enough negative out there. Right, right. So Bree but, was the last officer. She was the last one killed on a domestic situation. She she responded and was shot through the wall. So, yeah, and it gets a little, it, it, and those scenes get so crazy because everybody responds. So I don't know what happens and tell me what happens because I don't know. When, a, when an officer gets shot, I mean, who goes out on the other runs? Because we all go. So when, first of all, when shots fired or called at an officer, that goes out all channels. So all districts are aware that this is going on. When an officer is actually shot, that also goes out all channels on officer down. And yes, many, many, many officers from the other districts respond. Uh, everything else gets put on hold, period. So, right. Right. yeah. Yeah. Well, so I don't know if you remember when, um, when we were working, I was on day shift southwest, but I was responding to a mental, uh, a 1096 subject, a mental subject over near the airport and got into a huge fight and we were not winning the fight with the guy he was totally mentally ill he was on some type of drugs but I was there by myself and I was trying not to kind of deal with him and then I had to deal with him got into a big fight and you asked me if I was okay and I did I wasn't able to get on my radio um do you remember that it was out by the airport I ended up getting injured another officer ended up getting injured but she's asking me if I'm okay, and I don't answer. And so she's just sending cars, sending cars. And they just keep repeating your number, your number. Are you okay? Are you okay? Chris, this is the guy who jumped out of the window and was, and you went down the street and you started having a conversation and then he went completely berserk. Yep. Yep, that was it. That was it because we were wrestling on the ground. And I, re I, I remember hearing her asking me if it's okay, but I'm in the middle of the fight and can't even can't even respond. And uh, she just sent cars and cars and cars um, uh, to try and save me. So I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> yeah. It's, and any little thing can trigger uh, for me to say, okay, more units start. And that's one thing that we can sometimes do when we're in the fight is we can key up. What does key up mean? Keying up is I get on the radio to key up. I have to hit this little button in order for me to talk. So I key up and when we key up and nothing comes out, sometimes that's all we can do is key up. And what happened? Right. What do you see? What do you see if I key up, but don't hear me? Uh, we can see your number. If, if it's functioning, we can see your number come across the PTT line, what they call the PTT line and, or just your ID. And we immediately yeah. will say, so-and-so, are you okay? And for me, right. if I don't get a response that first time, uh, officers are rolling. And it may be a false yeah. alarm, but it's better safe than sorry. Well, and that happens a lot because we can hit it. Like wherever you position your mic, sometimes we'll hit it accidentally and we'll accidentally key up and control and say, hey, are you okay? Because you keyed up. Oh, my, you know, sorry, 
mistake. Or if we don't say anything, like she said, they'll just send cars because there's many times when all you can do is key up. You know, if you key up, at least she'll know we're in some type of trouble. So, so you've been doing this 20 some years. What's the thing that you love the most about it? Um, I just love everything about it, to be honest. I love the camaraderie between me and my coworkers and us and law enforcement and fire and the calls that come in. I, I just love helping people. So however, whatever shape or form that comes in, I'm good with that. So when you get calls like the little boy who was abused or, or an officer is down, how, what do you do to decompress? How do you get balanced again? Uh, a lot of my balance comes from nature and I garden. I love yard work. That's my release. Uh, that's my healing. It, it always has been. I've, I've always been a nature child and that's where me and my higher power communicate. So yeah, that's how I stay stable. <laughs> So after a day like that, you'll go garden, convene with nature. Yes. And I have two rescue dogs now that as soon as I come home, you know, they're out in the backyard and I sit out there with them and I watch them have fun. And it, yeah, for me, nature is just, that's my cradle. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you so much for being on this and you are by far one of the best. And I've not, I'm not the only one that says that. Um, we, you know, it just, and I knew it early on and your voice is very, um, it just makes us feel better. (laughs) Like everything's going to be okay. When, when you get, when you start your shift and you hear her voice, you're like, oh good, she's working today. And that's most officers, most officers. It's like your partner's working with you and you're going to be okay. If the shit hits the fan, you'll be okay. And that's something that's, that's a real thing. And and believe me, there are many, many officers that have said that. So we don't like it when you're off. (laughs) Thank you. You got to, you got to tell them about this one call I took to me. It, it, it made me laugh, not because of what happened to the guy, but just his reaction and his word. So I answer a 911 call And it's this older guy. You can tell he's probably in his 50s, maybe. Uh, He says, I said, 911, do you have an emergency? He said, yes, baby, I do. I said, well, what's going on? He said, baby, I've been shot. (laughs) And I mean, he was so calm. Just, I said, okay, where's the person who did this? He said, I don't know right now, baby, but he said, I need an ambulance and police. And so we got all that going. And that was the funny part to me, just his calmness. And he was like, baby, I've been shot. And come to find out he had been shot seven times. Oh, shit. Yes. And he lived. But he lived uh, through that. (laughs) And I'm like, this guy is golden. I mean, (laughs) so I love that. Uh, That's fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much. Really an honor. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Bye.
So thanks, everyone. And again, uh, we appreciate you listening. Please rate and review us. And we will talk to everyone on the next episode of Murder with Menina. If you have a cold case you'd like Chris to review, submit it through our website at murderwithmenina.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Murder with Menina and Twitter at Murder W. Menina. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Murder with Menina. Thanks, everyone. And again, uh, we appreciate you listening. Please rate and review us. And we will talk to everyone on the next episode of Murder with Menina. Thanks a lot. Correct. Correct. <laughs> so anyways well yeah. thank you so much for being on the show again it yeah <laughs> absolutely correct